0: Father, we believe that you've chosen to be in this place. We believe that you want to have this conversation with us. Father, we believe that when we speak to you, that you're listening, and we're so grateful that in a service like this, when we can all raise our voices together and just adore you for what you have done, to acknowledge that you are far, far above us, and that we are in need of your grace. Father, we come before you and confess that we by ourselves can do nothing. You've given us everything. We confess that we've made mistakes over and over and over again. We come into this place and we let your grace wash over us. We thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Would you guys have a seat? Come into this service today. We're going to be praying a lot, a lot. And maybe this is kind of new to you to, to spend this time talking to someone in faith that you don't really speak to all that much. We want to make sure that you can kind of understand what that's all about. When we say these words together in song, we're asking you to be able to just say them to a God that we cannot see but believe is moving amongst us. And part of our prayer that we want to make sure that we're offered up to God is letting us listen to what he might say to us. I know that's a little mysterious, maybe a little weird to you. But we believe that if you open your heart, that God will speak to you. In a few moments, we're going to be singing a song where that's part of it, and we want you to be able to, to say those with conviction, say the words from with, and know that God is listening to what you have to say and that God might be speaking to you. And then right after that, we'll get a chance to be able to take a communion together. If you've never had it at Cap City before, what you'll do is you'll go around to these tables. You won't be getting anything that's coming to you. You'll get up and you'll go to the tables. And when you get to the tables, you'll see a variety of things that are on there. You'll see these communion elements, if you've never taken that before. It's a piece of bread, some juice. These are uh, ways to remember what Jesus Christ has done, his body and his blood that were sacrificed for each of us. If you have questions about that, we'd love to talk to you more about it later on. And if this is your home and you want to give, this is also an opportunity for you to go at the tables. There's an offering box there. It's black and it says offering on it. So you can just give that with a cheerful heart. If you don't want to give a single dollar, we will still love you exactly the same. Okay? So, And if you have anything beyond that offering that you want to give to people in need in this community, we have this thing that we call generous buckets. They're white. very, very bright. You should be able to see those when you go to the tables and give something outside of your offering. But like I said, in a few moments, you'll get a chance to do that. Before we do that, we're going to do this song that we're asking for the spirit to move within each of us. We're asking that spirit to move so that we can expect God to use us in a way that uh, we hadn't anticipated before. But it starts with you surrendering yourself be able to say, God, I, I want to hear what you have to say. And I want that to be a part of what we do. So, before we even go into this, I know we just prayed, but I want this entire service to be a prayer service to God. You're speaking to Him and let Him speak to you as well. Father, we know that you're here and we believe that you are active. We know that if we offer ourselves to you and acknowledge that you are above us and that we need you, that you're going to do something. Father, we cannot live on our own, we cannot live well on our own, and we expect Jesus Christ and the life that He has lived to be the example for each of us. We feel when we surrender that you will speak to us. We expect you to move. We expect you to speak in these moments. So we give you our hearts. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
1: Revival. Oh, Holy Spirit.
0: say you, give him your heart. Oh, can you feel it? Heaven is reaching. Oh, can you hear it? Our God is speaking. Oh, can you see it? He's got your healing.
1: Oh, just receive it. Receive the free.
0: Rates up to 18% as it battles against financial collapse. The designed to stabilize And now,
2: economic messages to win the support of
3: Do you remember learning how to ride a bike? Yeah. You should be old enough. I don't know that you would have rem- like learned that before you could have those memories. I remember my dad pushing me down the sidewalk on, on my bike. I remember the whole process of him getting frustrated because I couldn't figure it out, right? When I taught my kids how to ride the bike, they're a different generation, they're a softer generation. We pushed them through the grass, all right? In case they, in case they fell, they'd be a little bit safer, right? You remember in that moment when you're learning to ride your bike, there's this moment where you realize that you have to embrace being off balance in order to pedal. Do you remember that? I mean, the kids start as a tricycle, they move up to the bike with the training wheels and you get to the bike and when you've learned to really ride it, you have to embrace kind of being off balance. You have to be okay being off balance so that you can use your foot to propel forward and eventually you kind of figure out that rhythm and then you ride a bike, right? And it's easy. In fact, it's so easy we say things that are as easy as riding a bike. There's this idea that you could pick up a bike right now. If it's been 30 years since you rode a bike, if you knew how to ride a bike, it's assumed that you would be able to still ride a bike, right? Because it's just that same pattern. I never taught my boys how to jump off of ramps. I never taught them how to do wheelies. Didn't have to teach them any of that kind of stuff. They learned that on their own, right? They figure out how to ride a bike and then they explore all these other areas of riding a bike. But it all goes back to that fundamental principles that they learned of balance. It all goes back to that ability to just be able to accept kind of being off balance, to be able to pedal. It all goes back to that same foundation. I think prayer is a lot like that. I think prayer, when we, when we talk about prayer, we're talking about a foundation that's been given to us that we go back to. And you may feel a little off balance, but that may be a good thing. And you start to kind of lean into that and figure out how to ride this bike, right? And here's the interesting thing. If you're a Christian, when we talk about prayer, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him, a good place for us to start this conversation when we talk about prayer would be to point out the fact that it's a command. This isn't an optional skill. Some of you opted out of the riding the bike skill. Some of you said it wasn't for you. You didn't need it. You've never learned to ride a bike. You've made it this far. You probably don't need to know how to ride a bike. You're good, right? Prayer isn't that way. I know that prayer can be intimidating for people, that sometimes uh, we kind of shy away from things that we're not real sure about. When we talk about prayer, in a lot of ways, we kind of maybe lean back. I know there's a lot of people who want to be worshipers of God. They want to be followers of Jesus, but they just don't know what to do with prayer. We need to start with this. It's expected. It's commanded. That this is a part, this is a skill that you need to have when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. It's seen on all sorts of different places in Scripture, uh, like in Colossians. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. That's it. It's not an invitation. It's not a request. It's straightforward. It's a command. It's this is what you're supposed to do. Luke 18, Jesus is teaching to to, uh, his disciples. He's kind of teaching them about what prayer is. And we have this little bit of commentary from Luke that says that when he was teaching them all these things, he was teaching them that they should always pray. It's not an optional thing. It's not an at-your-own-interest kind of a thing. This is a skill set that's expected to be a follower of Jesus. One of my favorites, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. This is the whole verse. For those of you interested in learning how to memorize the Bible, this is a great place to start. <laughs> Pray continually. Beginning, end, full stop. There's no, there's no asking, there's no requesting. It's just a demand, it's a command, it's straightforward that to be followers of Jesus means that we pray. And so we have to start today with a very uh, simple understanding that prayer at its most fundamental level is an act of obedience. For those of you who maybe struggle with prayer, you're not real sure, you don't know where this service is gonna go when we're talking about prayer, we need to start with at least this. At the most fundamental level, at least this, we have to acknowledge that just by praying, you're at least obeying. And it can look really formal. There's all sorts of ways that prayer can look. I, I personally, uh, you know, didn't grow up in a denominational type of a church that did the more liturgical prayers where everyone would pray together. I didn't grow up with that, so when I get in those environments, I kind of like them. It's different and it's unique. I enjoy that. And we're going to get a chance to practice some of that today, which I think is going to be really cool. But prayer doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a rote or those routine types of prayers. Prayer can be incredibly informal. It's actually why I like that verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Because there's this idea that when it comes to prayer, it should be a continual action. It's something that should be happening between you and God at all times. I, I like to think of it kind of like text messaging. That when it comes to like my relationship with my wife or, or friends or whoever else, I like text messaging because you can just respond as you need to. It's just kind of always there. I get these moments with God, these like nudges from him, where something's brought to my attention, I'm suddenly in the awareness of his existence and who he is. Uh, Whether I see a person or I see something incredible, whatever it may be, and I just get these little reminders of things and it leads me to pray, and so I shoot quick little prayers back to him, almost like text message form. It's living in this reality, it's very informal, it's living in a reality that that I'm in the presence of God at all times which means that I'm always open and available to be able to pray to him. It's not something formal, something very, very informal. And I can remember when I first began to catch a glimpse of this. Do you guys remember? It would have been in the other building probably here. I don't know. I've I've intentionally not even asked questions about the history of this church, but I know that it happened here, all right? Do you remember years ago there was these things called communion meditations and offering meditations, and then there's communion prayer and offering prayer? You guys remember that? Some of you are really old, you may not remember, all right, but it was, when, it was in your time. It happened, I promise, all right? It was probably over in that other part of the building. And do you remember, as a kid growing up in a church where we did those things, I did the same thing that you did, even as adults you did this, don't even pretend like you didn't, all right? When the service started, we had men walk from out behind and they came and they sat on the front row and the first men out were the ones who gave the meditations and the prayers. And you watched at the beginning of the service because you wanted to see who it was because then you instantly knew how long the service was gonna be. You guys remember this? Okay, and you saw them walk out and you started judging immediately. You knew their prayers. You could probably recite their prayers with them. You knew that they were long-winded. You knew that you weren't getting home till 1215, right? Like you knew just what was going to happen with the day, and you judged them. And I can remember the day that a guy named Lee did it for the first time. I can remember it because as he walked out, I didn't know who he was. I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I was a little bit curious. I couldn't judge how the rest of the day was going to go, so I just kind of had to wait patiently. And I remember when it was time for him to start his prayer. I did the same thing that I always do. I kind of took a deep breath. I put my head down kind of focused myself, and then I began to listen to what he was saying. I'm, You know, I always miss the first two sentences of a prayer, right? And I finally get there, and the very first word I heard him say was amen, (laughs) to which I looked up, and everyone else did too. And it became embarrassingly obvious that Lee didn't know how to pray. He'd only prayed for seven seconds. It wasn't sufficient. It wasn't good, right? And I was embarrassed for him, like what an awful moment to be in front of the whole church to reveal that you don't know how to pray. And then the next time he was up there, he did it again. And every time he did this, he did it. I started looking forward to when Lee was the guy doing the prayer, because it meant that the day was gonna be shorter, right, I was, I was excited for it. And I, I remember like every time, I don't think I ever heard the man say a prayer longer than 20 seconds. He eventually became like a youth sponsor. I got to know him really well. I can remember one day I asked him, I said, Lee, what is the deal with your short prayers? Because everyone else prays differently. You're you're unique. You pray these short, quick prayers. Like if if he was asked to pray like in youth group, like, hey, Lee, pray for this, he would pray exactly word for word, whatever it is that we had just talked about in seven seconds and be done. Amen. And it was curious to me. And so I asked him about it. And I can't tell you exactly what he said, but I can give you the gist of it. He said something like this. He said, all of Jesus' prayers were short. I want people to not be intimidated by prayer, so I pray like Jesus did, and I hope that it encourages others to try it. I thought that was really cool because it had encouraged me to try it. Now, you should also know he's wrong. (laughs) Jesus had some long prayers. John 17 is the one that's recorded. It's a long chapter, and it's a long prayer. You're not going to get through it in 20 seconds. And we know that there's these moments that Jesus would go away for long periods of time, and he would pray for hours, okay? And so I'm not going to suggest that Jesus only prayed 20-second prayers, all right? But here is something that's very true about what Lee said. Anytime you find Jesus teaching people specifically how to pray, he makes it incredibly simple. He simplifies it. He wants it to be accessible to everyone. And so he really simplifies it down, and I think that's really cool. So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse five. And there's some interesting things. If we're going to talk about how to pray, that means that there's some wrong ways and there's some right ways. Maybe you heard that there's no wrong way to pray. I can remember being taught that. They're wrong. Jesus says otherwise. Jesus says there's some wrong ways to pray. In verse five of Matthew six, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. Jesus says that you can pray like a hypocrite, that you can pray in a way that you're pretending like you're talking to God when in reality you're drawing attention to yourself. Don't pray like that. There's a wrong way. The very next thing, verse 6, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Last week we looked At worship, And we talked about how worship is a foundational piece of everything that we do. That to be a follower of Jesus means that you are a worshiper, that it is core to everything. And within that, we talked about a heart of authenticity, that our worship has to start here, that it has to be real within us for it to have any meaning when it leaves us. And so when we pray, Jesus says the same stuff about our prayer. When we pray, it needs to be done humbly, it needs to be done authentically, it needs to be real. And he's to come from us directly to him. It has to be about him. And then Jesus offers another warning. There's more wrong ways to do this. Verse seven. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans because they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Big, heavily worded prayers, right? It's really an act of selfishness. I mean, there's wrong ways to pray. And when we try to get too poetic, when we try to make too big of a deal, really what we're doing is we're trying to draw attention to ourselves. Do you guys see the contrast between the two? When we talk about praying, we have to start with a recognition that we're commanded. It's, It's expected that we be people who pray as followers of Jesus. But within that, there's right ways and there are wrong ways to do this. And then Jesus says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Last week, Doc and Steve mentioned the Lord's Prayer in the context of worship. And they, they added some motions in to help us remember some of the different parts of worship, if you guys remember that. We're going to do some similar stuff with that today. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time. We're going to do a little bit of aerobics. I'm going to have you stand a couple times. We're going to recite some different prayers at different times. And we're going to make sure that we can just, uh, just kind of do that together, learn some things. Uh, here's what I want you to do. We're going to start with this prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. I know that you've maybe memorized this at some time in your life. Uh, And there are so many different versions that if we just all recited it the way that we had it memorized, it would sound like chaos. Uh, This is the NIV version. This is not the way that I have it memorized, all right? And so this isn't even for me. But we're gonna say this together. We're gonna read this prayer together, and then we're gonna start breaking it down, all right? So uh, don't be afraid. We're gonna do this several times today. Don't be afraid to read it at a different pace than I am, all right? You're not going to figure out the pace that I'm going to say this. So I want you to just pray this prayer out loud. Read it with me at your pace as we go, all right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation... deliver us from the evil one amen i think that's really cool it's interesting to me how simple this prayer is and don't lose like the mystery of this all right jesus is standing in front of a group of people teaching them how to talk to him (laughs) that needs to be really kind of cool like he's telling them hey this is how I want you to talk to my father. This is how I want you to talk to me. And he doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't make it difficult. He makes it incredibly easy. Here's, here's the stuff that you want to do. And I want you to see that there's some components of this, that if we can unlock them, I think this will open up your prayer life in some significant ways. Here's the first one. Jesus starts with adoration. Adoration is a big fancy word. It just means esteem, respect, respect admiration. It's it's praise is really what we're talking about here. And it starts in that phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the NIV version that we just read. We're going to be comparing that through this whole sermon with the message. The message is is an interesting uh, Bible to read, all right? It's not based off of the greek translations that we have it's not supposed to be a word for word it's supposed to be a translation for our culture so there's times when it's really beautiful it kind of opens your eyes to stuff and there's also times when it's awful i'll point that out in a minute all right but here here our father in heaven hallowed be your name our father in heaven reveal who you are which i really like when we pray it starts with adoration it starts with the focus on him this word, "hour" that we start with is really interesting to me. It means that prayer is kind of a corporate thing that happens, which is very interesting just verses after Jesus had taught that when you pray, you need to go do it by yourself in a room. That's interesting to me, right? Which helps me see that our prayer is very individual. When we pray, we pray between us and God, and it's something that happens here. And this prayer that Jesus gives us is one that you can pray individually, but that when we pray, we have a corporate responsibility to one another as well. That something happens differently when we pray together, that this isn't just a prayer for ourselves, but it's something for all of us together, which I think is really neat. That word father is significant. There's an intimacy here. We're not speaking to some God who's distant and far off and who doesn't really care. We're talking to our father. We talked about this in worship last week, that he's our dad, we use the word daddy, which is kind of weird and awkward, right? But that's the relationship we have. We're his child, we have, we have rights to him. We have access to God in the same way that a child has access to their father. This word hallowed is a word that you probably haven't used in a sentence in a while. Right? It just means holy. It means set apart. It's a, it's a word of reverence. It's this acknowledgement that God is different than us, that when we're praying to him, we're recognizing that he is something that we are not. He's perfect. He's holy in heaven, and we see him as holy on earth. And when we pray prayers of adoration, it's as simple as asking, what's so cool about God? Doc opened that key up for me, that door opened for me this week when we were talking about this. If you want to know how to pray prayers of adoration, just ask the question, what's so cool about God? Think about it. I would encourage you to use your five senses and think through the things that just kind of get you excited. And what happens is it'll lead you into emotional worship. And when that happens, when you respond, what you're doing is you're praying. So you know what? When you see something incredible, when you're hiking and you walk around a corner, see an incredible view, or maybe you see a sunset. I've noticed since moving here that the sunsets in Kentucky are different, aren't they? Incredible. When I see them, I go, man, God, that's really cool. That's a prayer of adoration. You see how simple it is? And you just say, God, I really like that you did that. I think it's really cool that you made that. When you hear something, it may be like the the sound of birds or nature. Maybe that gets you excited. Maybe it's the sound of someone's voice that just brings joy to your life. That's an opportunity for worship, an opportunity to pray to God and tell him, God, that's really cool, that's a prayer of adoration. When you smell something, maybe you're walking through a field of flowers, or even better, maybe you can smell meat smoking on the smoker. And it just moves your soul. (laughs) And you're like, God, man, it is so cool that you've made this. God, it's so neat that you've given it to us, Like That's so incredible, and I give you praise. What you've done, God, is really cool. And then even better when you put it in your face, right? It's so good, smoked meat, etouffee. Anybody here interested in some crawfish etouffee? It's wonderful. Uh, that means nothing to dock. And so, so like chicken and rice, <laughs> you put it in your mouth and it tastes good. And you're like, God, thank you that you've given me something that brings joy to my life, that this isn't just a bland sustenance of life, but that you've given me something that I can enjoy that also gives me value. God, it is so very cool that you made that. And I adore you for that. How cool is that, right? God, God I love to be able to hug someone that I love, be able to feel an embrace, to feel loved. That's an opportunity for adoration to turn to God and say, God, you've done something really good here. And so we, we respond, we tell him just those short, quick prayers of adoration. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, all right? And I'm going to ask you to take your hands. We're going to do some motions. I'm going to put our hands straight up in an act of praise. There's a song that I've loved for years. It's from a band named Me Without You, which if anybody knows anything about them, I'd be shocked, all right? But they've got this one song, and they have this line, and they say, If ever you come near, God, I'm going to hold up high a mirror, because I could never show you anything as beautiful as you. And that's the heart of adoration. That's the heart of praise. And so I want you to stand up. I want you to take your hands. We're going to just put them straight up as if we're offering up this mirror to God where he can see himself. And I want you to say this prayer with me again at your pace, but just say this prayer. God, you're so overwhelmingly cool. All around, I see the incredible works of your hands. I'm not in your league. You are so big. And it's beyond an honor that you would call me your child. I give you all my praise. You have all my respect, all my admiration. You are God. Amen. That's really cool. Prayer isn't just an act of admiration, it's also an act of submission. Jesus puts it this way, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The message says, set the world right, do what's best, as above, so below. I really like that. I want you to notice this. As we started this prayer looking at, there's an outward focus. Adoration is a focus on God. Submission is a focus on God. We'll talk about ourselves. This will turn inward in a moment. But we have to start in the right place of recognizing who God is, adoring him, and submitting to him. It's so key to the whole rest. In fact, it all turns on this phrase, your will be done on earth. The whole prayer turns on this phrase. This is the center point of it all, and the rest of it flows out of this truth. Your will be done on earth do what's best below. Do you understand the implications of saying that to God? There's weight in this phrase. It means that God is both heaven as God is God of both heaven and earth. He rules heaven. I don't. He also rules earth. I don't. My prayers to him recognize his authority in my life, that whatever I may see or desire, it's all secondary to his will. And frequently, I think we try to turn prayer into manipulation of God. We think that if we say enough things, if we, if we communicate or ask for enough stuff, eventually we can finally get God to do what we want him to do It looks like supplication. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. It's the things that we ask from God. But too often our prayers are supplication at too high of a percentage. This prayer, though, to be able to say to God, your will be done on earth, this prayer changes everything. It changes our perspective. It makes us see things differently. It moves us out of our perspective, and it forces us to see the world through God's eyes. This prayer is a request that God's reign and God's purpose and God's plans be realized as completely on earth as they are in his throne room right now. And by consequence, if you pray that, by consequence, anything in my will then becomes secondary. I can't lay out to God all the things I want if I really just care about what he wants. It changes things. Jesus teaches us that a significant part of prayer is our taking the proper posture, and it's a posture of submission. In Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus is doing that teaching on prayer, and he says that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so, I'm going to ask you to stand with me again, and we're going to take our hands of praise and prayer, and we're going to move them just kind of off to the side, okay? Uh, And this is, I mean, feel free to laugh at this illustration. It's almost as if you've been caught by the police, all right? You got your hands up because you're submitting. You're letting them take you. You're not fighting back, all right? Now, you're not caught here. This is just a moment for you to submit to God and say, God, you're the one who's in authority. You're the one who's in control, not me. And we're going to say this prayer of submission together. God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your knowledge is higher than my knowledge. Your authority is higher than my authority. God, we recognize today that the world would be a lot better if it looked less like us and more like you. And so we beg your will be done, even at the expense of our will being done. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. It's not just, it's not just adoration. It's not just submission. It's also confession. Confession. It's also confession. If you come before the all-knowing God who's worthy of praise and who's also worthy of our submission, then it means that it's incredibly necessary for us to be honest with him, to be truthful, to acknowledge his greatness and, and where we fail. And in that moment, it would be good for us to spend some time confessing the fact that we're guilty And so Jesus outlines it like this. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The message, I really, really like this. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. I really like that. I I think it just gives a great kind of picture of what we're talking about here. Now, let's be clear. When we're talking about debts, we're not talking about finance. We're talking about sin here. We're acknowledging when we come before this great God who deserves our adoration, who deserves our submission, that we also recognize that we've fallen, that we've failed, that we fall short. And so we come before God acknowledging our guilt, and we ask him to forgive. This is a deeply personal component of prayer. And there's more to it than just the confession of sin. It's also the receiving of forgiveness. Forgiveness. We're not coming before a God who's going to hold these confessions against us, but rather he's going to release them from us to be able to give us forgiveness, which I think is so very cool and powerful. It means that when we're praying prayers of confession, it's giving us a chance to live in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of our God. And people who live in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of their God are people who tend to be more forgiving. They tend to see other people in a better light than they would because they see themselves for who they truly are. And so we begin to be known for our forgiveness because we're living in the present awareness of the forgiveness of God. Prayers of confession help keep our minds in the right place. It helps keep us grateful to God and graceful to others. This is one of the reasons why prayer is so important that when we live without prayer, when we don't practice these things, our minds just get way off base and we forget these foundational pieces of who we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. When we pray and we take seriously the idea of confession, it makes us grateful and it makes us graceful. It makes us look more like Jesus. And so I want you to lean forward in your seat this time. And we're going to put our hands out in front of us. Now, you can do this one of two ways. Maybe you want to put your hands together kind of like this, like you're holding something. Maybe you want to release something to God. We're confessing to him. We're giving him the truth of who we are. Maybe you want to take your hands and you want to kind of rub them together as if you're washing them. You want to cleanse ourselves from these sins and our guilt. We want to come before him and ask him to cleanse us. However you want to do this in this motion, I want you to lean forward in your seats, take your hands, do whatever motion, and let's pray this prayer together. God, I'm guilty. I know what I should do, and I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, and I do it. I'm grateful for your promise to me that Jesus' sacrifice is enough for me. I wanna live in your forgiveness, so much so that I pour out your forgiveness to those around me. May I be your representation of love and grace in this world, amen. And finally, Supplication. Supplication is a big fancy word. It just means appeal or request. And we see it in two different places in this this prayer that Jesus gives us. The first one is this, give us today our daily bread. This is where I think the message really botches it. All right, let's just call them out. Keep us alive with three square meals. That's not what Jesus is saying, all right? (laughs) That fits our culture really well and I can appreciate it. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer, all right? I'm not saying it's a bad prayer to ask that God would provide for us in the context and the culture that we live in. This makes sense to us. This would have been like blasphemy to Jesus' crowd when he would have said these words, okay? There is there's this sense. When Jesus is saying these words, he's talking to a group of people who live daily on what they're making. Meaning they go to work and at the end of the day, they get paid, they take it home. And it might be enough and it might not be enough. But they're just scraping by daily. We're not talking about people who are living week to week. We're talking about people dependent on getting through the end of the day to make their money so that they can hopefully eat. So when they pray this prayer, we're talking about people who can't get sick and miss work because they don't get paid. We're talking about people who are praying this because they can't have famine, they can't have locusts, they can't have hailstorms because it decimates any chance they have for meeting the needs themselves. So when they pray this prayer, we're talking about people who are dependent on God meeting their needs on a daily basis. We're talking about the Israelites stranded in the desert who God is bringing them manna and quail every day to meet their needs. That's hard for us to comprehend because I've got freezers in my house. I've got like three of them, right? It's hard for me to ask God to meet my needs when I can store food for months. And it's hard for me to ask God to meet my needs when I can drive down the road to Kroger or just across the street to Burger King. And yet this is something that we need to really take seriously. This is something that we need to look within ourselves and we need to press forward and try to understand this because there's, There's value in us recognizing our daily dependence on God. That ultimately everything we have is a gift from him. I'm reminded of one of the parables Jesus tells of a man who's worked hard his whole life. He has this incredible harvest that comes in late in his life. He decides, I'm going to go build these barns. I don't have enough barns for all this harvest that I'm going to have. So he builds all these barns. He gets it all harvested. He puts it all away. And like you can see him sitting on his front porch on the rocking chair with the sweet tea. And he's happy. And he's relieved. And he says to himself, I've done it. I've accomplished it. I've got everything I'm ever gonna need. I don't have to work another day in my life. I can just sit back and live and love and enjoy, which sounds beautiful. Jesus calls him a fool. Jesus says he's a fool because he doesn't know that his life is gonna end that very night. Do you understand? Do you understand that the only reason you're breathing right now is because God sees fit to make your lungs keep working? We, we have a problem in our culture in this idea of supplication. When we get together and we pray prayers, we pray all these things about people who are sick or things that we need. And when, most of the time when we get together and we pray, it's all supplication. It's just give me, give me, give me. It's all about what we can get. It's all about what we want. should be a moment of recognition when we pray that it's all his that it could all disappear in a second, that supplication without submission isn't worship and it isn't prayer, it's actually just straightforward selfishness. And we see it even better as you go forward in this prayer. The other section where Jesus does this is is just a little bit later, he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'll give the message credit. I really like what they say here. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. I love that one because most frequently the devil doesn't have to do much work to tempt me. I do it on my own. I lead myself astray too easily. It's not hard work for him. But I'll tell you what, this is a prayer of supplication that I think God really, really likes. I want you to notice the contrast between the two. The first prayer is is that we ask, God, give us enough to survive physically. We're not asking for everything. We're asking for you to just meet the need we have to be able to survive. But God, give us enough to thrive physically spiritually those are prayers that God will get excited about those are prayers that he wants to answer in fact what you'll find is that when you're praying those things you're praying stuff that's right in his wheelhouse right inside his will and you can keep those prayers up that we would that we would care more about what we're doing spiritually than what we're doing physically that's stuff that's going to just jazz him up if you would pray those prayers man he's going to be so excited to, to participate in that with you Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands. I want you to sit back in your chair. Take your hands and set them out in front of you like you're ready to collect something. Okay? And we're going to pray this prayer of supplication together. God, we ask you to provide the things we need. We ask you to help us see your provision in all things and help us to align our minds with your heart. More than that, We pray that we have everything we need to thrive spiritually. Give us the desires of our heart so long as they align with your desires. But your desires come first, not ours. Amen. I hope that you practice these prayers. I hope that whether you've been a faithful follower of God and your prayer life is full of depth, or whether you're new to the whole prayer thing, maybe. Maybe you didn't even know where to start. My hope today is that you would be willing to take a step, that you'd be able to practice these things. I hope that today you see prayer as being more accessible to you than you've ever seen before. I came across this quote this past week from a guy named Tim Keller that I think just puts all this in an incredible perspective for us. He says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. I want you to know that the king, God himself, he says that you are worthy of any interruption. That it's worth it to him. That he's willing to hear you. That no matter how big, no how small, no matter whatever you want, you're worth it. And so can you pray prayers of adoration? Can you pray prayers of submission? Can you go before him and lift up those prayers of confession? Can you be able to go before him and ask that he would meet your needs, but beyond even that, that he would actually lead you spiritually to that you could thrive? Can you take a step, just one step, to grow in your ability to pray? Maybe maybe you need some prayer today yourself. Um, I'll be up front. I'd love to pray with you. We have a room in the back over here, over your right shoulders. We have a big word over the top says prayer room. We have elders in there who are praying for you right now and would love to pray with you but there's something moving in you. Feel free to take that step, and let's keep moving forward.